In the name of God, amen. So when John had been arrested, Jesus came proclaiming good news. As I've reflected in my annual report, that can be a jarring thing. The kingdom of God is at hand. He proclaims this right after John's been arrested. That can give you some whiplash. Is Jesus paying attention? How is this good news? How can Jesus not just run for the hills when he sees that once again, the powers that be are going to quiet the word that's going out there? And again, we know that Jesus doesn't run because he's grounded in a story. He's grounded not in something that's momentary, but something that is expansive, something that is generational. He knows his story. We know from the Gospels he feeds on it and practices it and goes to the temple and hears it again and again and again. And because of that, he knows these things. And he understands that when turbulence comes, God is here. He grew up hearing, remember, your people were wanderers. They were nomads who found bread in the wilderness and who found streams of water in the desert. Remember that. Remember that your people were slaves and God delivered them from the things that bound them up. Remember that. Remember that your people were given a place And remember that there was a time and times when the people forgot that the place was a gift from God and began to live from the privilege of thinking, we're special, we're God's chosen, this place is here to serve us. And remember that as they thought that that place was static, stationary, and theirs to keep, they lost it and found themselves in an exile from those habits. But God didn't leave them alone. Remember that God again and again and again called them through prophets while they were still in the land, through prophets while they were in exile, to call them back to the story. You are my beloved. I feed you wherever you are. You are a blessing with and for the whole world. Remember that. And remember that while you were in exile, God spoke through the decrees of a foreigner to bring you back, you who had wandered far away. And Jesus immerses himself in that story, and so he knows that there are going to be chapters that when the word of God comes forth, that when prophets start to speak because we've gone astray, where there's going to be resistance. You don't try to put things down if they don't threaten you, right? So if people are feeling threatened, God must be being heard. Now, a little sidebar. You've heard many of us preachers say this. This is also a really slippery slope because I can always say, well, if they're not receiving me, it's because I'm speaking for God. That's a convenient one, right? You've never done that, I'm sure. And... It's easy to smell what are the prophet's words, what are the ones that are really from God, because they're always about mutual dignity, mutual equity. They're about the promotion of all dignity of all people at all times. 
The word is always about gathering and pulling together, not breaking apart and isolating. And so Jesus knows that when the powers get scared because of what John the baptizer has been saying, he stands out and says, God's here. Receive this good news because it means people are hearing. And he doesn't freak out because this year's election didn't quite turn out the way we wanted. You know? Because he sees long-term, and he doesn't use that long-term as a cop-out to say, oh, it's in God's hands, I don't have to do anything. He obviously is putting his flesh on the line. He's going out saying, hear the good news, repent and believe, because God's here, so let's live like it. He can't do that just because he has goodwill. He can't do that because he comes from nice folks. You don't sustain that without regular feeding. What's the news? John got arrested. Someone else got put in prison. God's here. Remember the story. Call upon the story. And let's go back outside. We have chosen in this recent season, this Koinonia season, to ask God to speak to us. And we have been inviting voices from the community to speak, to hear, what is it, God, that you want us to hear? Who are the prophets you want us to listen to? What are the words? And some of the words have been incredibly heartening, and some, at least for me, have been difficult, to say the least. Because we've opened ourselves and said, let us hear about people's pain in this community. We've opened ourselves and said, let's hear these stories of generational throughout the history of our country and the history of our city of advancing one race against another. Let's hear the stories of segregating neighborhoods and ingesting money into some and holding back money from others and then three generations later going, I wonder why they just haven't caught up to us. And I don't say that to mock anyone. I find myself saying that in my prayer chamber and going, oh, this is perhaps part of the reason they, quote, haven't caught up. It was intentional. Maybe not, well, I won't even go into it, whether it was evil or not. We can talk about that another day. That word's used too easily. But certainly, it was legal. And whether it's slavery or Jim Crow or now our prison system, we realize again what's happening with us as a people. We've also heard people reflect to us about well-meaning, well-intentioned people going into neighborhoods and pouring forth toxic charity. Meaning well to engage, but realizing that the charity that's being given actually just creates more dependence, actually becomes a diminishment of the other, and nobody really intended that. We thought we were going to help. That's how I was raised. Go help. You've grown up with these things. Go help. Let's go fix folks. We've also heard folks say, you know how many people have come, like white folks from churches into our neighborhood, and they're there for about two years, and then they just disappear? They don't seem to have a long-term relationship capacity. Now, I'm not saying all this to make you feel bad again. I'm saying it because, as your dean, it's something I've been wrestling with myself for six months. Very quickly, back in May, the text was about Nicodemus saying, Do I have to be born again at an older age 
And you know, we preachers, we get those texts and say, God's always calling, God's always bringing new things into your life. And three weeks later, I was in a very emotional conversation with someone and I was saying, that's not right. And they in so many words said, Todd, maybe God's inviting you to be born again. I won't go into the story here, but it really angered me that Jesus showed up in that way. (laughs) You know? And that's what we've opened ourselves to. That's what the gospel is about. Jesus, speak to us. And you've been courageous enough to crack the door open. And like John the baptizer and like Jesus, you don't know where it's going. None of us know where it's going. We don't know where it's going. But we know that if we don't ask, we're dead. And we will already be in exile. And we will already be in bondage if we don't ask. Sandra mentioned about the next stages and gathering the data and seeing what's emerging and coming back and saying, what seems of these to be something that we have capacity for? What seems to be something that we have good connection for and why? And I want to say a couple things about focus. Because as we gather this focus, one quick sidebar, again, we've said again and again, this doesn't mean that anything that's going on in engagement in the community stops. It means that all continues. This is just a way for us as a community to, as we say in the Lenten liturgy, be of one mind. And so two things about the focus that we will find ourselves going to. There'll be a tangible aspect and there'll be an internal one. When we started this, we certainly had a sense of what would the tangible one be? What area might we find? And whatever area we find is going to have so many prongs because what we're realizing, it's going to be about building relationship. It's about being with people and really sitting on our hands when we want to say, hi, we're here to help you. Aren't you excited? But it's going to be about structures because we're dealing with structures. And we realize we haven't gotten here in decades and we're not going to get out in decades. And so what does it take tangibly for us to engage these things and to engage them deeply? That's going to have lots of prongs to it. Talk about more of that later. But what I also want to focus on is what we've already kind of hinted at, the internal focus, our conversion. Because as we've cracked this door open, what we're finding out again is that this isn't like a three-year plan. What we're doing is taking on decades of pilgrimage. I'm good at a three-year plan. It's what good resourced white folks do, especially those of us born in the 50s. Come up with a plan, bring it. If it doesn't work, well, we'll start another one. But what we're talking about is that somehow we're hearing this word of Jesus's repent and believe the good news and live it. And again, repent isn't beating. Repent is hearing and changing. And I'm realizing that Jesus in this process is calling me and all of us to repent, to change, to not think in three years or five years, but to think what does it take to sustain a vision for decades? What does it take for us not to be discouraged by the next election or be fooled by the next election? What does it take to hold a vision and to show up each day saying, God's here now? So how are we being changed by this process internally and understanding, as Sandra said, we're on a pilgrimage. We're changing the way we see things. We're changing the way we live. 
That's what this is really doing. Sounds like what I said about the vestry. Koinonia really is God saying, okay, all souls. This is grist for changing how you understand human relationships. So what do you do when you're on a pilgrimage, and how do you sustain that? Where is this taking us? I have no idea. But I do know this. I do know we have a story. I do know with Jesus we share a story. I do know that just as Jesus thought generationally, so can we. And we can see in decades, not as a way to just run away, but as a way to say, I'm committed and I'm not going to worry what CNN or Fox or MSNBC is telling me is the latest crisis. I know what we're about. And just like a pilgrimage, I know that there are going to be setbacks and the food we thought was going to be there suddenly isn't there. I know that being on a pilgrimage, there's going to be some arrests. There may even be some literal ones. I don't know. But we're going to see things get arrested and we're going to see pushback. And we're going to feel it internally. I know I do. And how do we feed that? How do we not only think generationally, but how do we feed it? And we've got the story. You answer and name the story at least six times a year when we baptize. Will you continue in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, in the breaking of the bread and in the prayers? That's how you feed a pilgrimage. That's how we feed. Come back to this altar. Remind me what the story is because I've been taking this version of the story again back in the culture. Tell me what our story is. Ground me in it. Give us the food. Repeat. Again and again. It's what Jesus did. It's why so many stories of him show up with him in the gospel and in the sanctuaries and the synagogues, not because he was the guest speaker, because he knew he was dead if he didn't practice the ancestors' teaching, the ancestors' fellowship, the breaking of the bread, and the prayers. It's where Jesus went when he had to repent. That's what we have. We're on a pilgrimage, not a delivery service. We're on a pilgrimage, and pilgrimages are scary because they always go into the wilderness. And pilgrimages always take us beyond what we presently know how to do. But for 2,000 years, the followers of Jesus have been showing up around bread and wine and tables and stories. And we're here today because they did. And 100 years from now, there's going to be an annual meeting. And they're going to be making the same choices you do because they're going to say, Our ancestors repeated the story. They broke the bread. They gathered around tables and talked and shared meals. They heard the good news and they repented and proclaimed the good news because they knew indeed God was in their midst. Amen.